This is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Everest, the podcast that is up to its armpit. The podcast that goes elbow deep. We don't stop pushing until we feel resistant. No. <laughs> we certainly don't. Before we get into our, our regularly scheduled programme, we got a letter. Oh, did we? Which, which yeah, it's, unu- it's unusual because I actually haven't given out a postal address. <laughs> did it come wrapped right around a brick through your living room window? Because that is what you deserve. I found it in a cow's ass. No, it says, right, here's the letter. For, it's from Mr. and Mrs. Gabner. Dear Edward and Ian, we just thought we'd write to tell you how much we enjoy your This Is Your Everett podcasts. We especially like the ducks, the geese. <laughs> my wife my wife and I listen to them every day in the car with our friend Wimpole Roots. Okay. We hope one day your podcast will deal with some of our specific interests, namely hoof rot, mastitis in cattle, uh-huh. or the insertion of an entire human arm into the fundament of another sentient being. Keep up the good work. Yours, Orman and Chickadee Gabner. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Gabner. Have we got a treat for you? What a coincidence. What a what coincidence, because today, coincidence. uncannily, today's podcast is about the BBC comedy drama of note, All Creatures Great and Small. Yes. This particular episode is the first episode, I believe it was probably a pilot episode, mm. and it was first broadcast on the 8th of January 1978. Yes. And this is not a program that you'd ever seen before, somehow. No, I mean, it's Sunday evening television, and yeah. I do not like it. It is my least favourite genre of television. And I include in that the following. Okay. This. Right. Highway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, songs of Praise. Songs of Praise. Heartbeat. All this... Twee period stuff. I would say that this has got a lot in common with Heartbeat. I think Heartbeat very much piggybacked onto where all creatures, great and small, let up because the the, the dates overlap very nicely. Yeah, I mean, this is set in 1936, so it's 42 years before it was broadcast. Yeah. The, the equivalent now then would be, what, 1979? Well, that's a kick in the knickers for us all. Yeah, 41 years ago, isn't it? So, you know. No, there's just something irredeemably twee about all of it. I don't have the time for it. I I don't mind Call the Midwife. Okay. Because Call the Midwife isn't afraid to be a bit kind of dark sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Um, well, I mean, I've, I've never actually seen Call the Midwife. Have you not? Oh, no, no, you know, Call the Midwife can go to some quite kind of dark places because obviously it's about midwifery in the... Well, yeah, you know, I, mean, I suppose... Late 1950s. Although it's set in a kind of working class sort of part of London. I don't, I'm not sure when 50s, I think, or maybe early 60s. 
And whilst it is a period drama, it's not a period drama in the way that this or Heartbeat are. Okay. You know, it's not it's not an idealised version, in other words. Okay. Well, so I mean... I'll give you. But generally speaking, they always put these on Sunday nights so that old people can fall asleep in front of them. <laughs> it's the televisual equivalent of Ovaltine. Yeah, and I, and I really went into this thinking, God, I just hate this sort of thing so much. It's just, uh And I will give it credit where it's due. I probably enjoyed it more than I thought I would, but that's like saying that I've got to high jump over a bar that is laying on the ground. My bar could not have been any lower. The key word for... Sunday evening television entertainment is gentle. Yeah, and very gentle entertainment. It's comedy drama. It's uh, yeah, and there's and and, I, and there is something I find inherently creepy about that. It's tweet right the way through. This I was kind of expecting something bad to happen, and it never did. As far as I'm concerned, there's only one thing that ever happens on TV. In buildings like the place where he lives. Okay. And that is murder. <laughs> there was this one bit where they'd been to a pub and they got back from the pub and they're having a drink and like there's practically no light in this room. It was really weirdly lit shot and I was like, this looks like a crime watch reconstruction. Yeah, or, or uh, something out of Miss Marple, another staple of yeah, Sunday evening yeah, television. Yeah, but of course it never came. It, it, it didn't come, and it was, and, it, and and I was watching it, trying to figure out, you know, I I don't know anything about this. What sort of a, is it going to take any sort of a turn? I would say that you would feel differently about it if you were, say, eighty-seven years old. Well, I was going to say a horse. Same difference. Or a cow. Yeah. I mean, if you were a horse or a cow, this would be very much the call the midwife of your people. It would be right up your alley. As it were. As it were. Um, we'll, we'll get to that. Stick a pin. Well, actually, don't, don't stick, stick a, a pin, pin in it. In it. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we will get to that. Excuse me. Could you tell me where Trengate is, please? You want Skeldale House? Oh, no, not really. I want the vets. Skeldale is where the vet lives. Thank you. We do not meet all of the characters who become canon. Yeah, in this episode. I mean, um, we don't have we don't have Helen, his who is later his wife. She does appear, yeah, as a sort of uh, a, a wisp, as a bystander, as somebody else on the bus. Right? Was she the woman that there was the um, lingering shot of, kind of at the yes. very start? Right? Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. See, because that that happened three or four times. And then the yeah. people just didn't reappear. Well, they were playing the long game. There was the woman and the fat bloke on the bus. And then there was, like, the housekeeper as well. Um, yes. And all of these people, and the and the old boy in the hat. Um, yeah. And so there were all of these people who just literally came, did a little thing. They didn't even all yeah, necessarily yeah. say very much. 
and then just well, disappeared. And I was expecting at least one or two of them to reappear later in the in the program. The only one who did, of course, was the bloke who went into the vets with the um, the, the cow. So it was <laughs> it, it was um, it was kind of odd like that. They were setting up people for later on in the series. Well, that's no fucking good if I don't you know if I don't want to watch it after the first one. Well, yeah, but then. It doesn't matter, does it? Well, no, because the thing is that that might be one of the things that amounts to my decision not to watch it next week. That's a bit stupid, uh, isn't it? Why do they keep introducing wow. these people and not showing them again? You know, that's, this uh, program, if, that's if, if I'm on the fence over it, then that sort of thing can you know can start to what matter. a standoff. Yeah, I know what you mean. And there was, I mean, the first shot of James Herriot that we see he's sat on a bus next to a man who is so grotesquely disfigured I could only assume that it was Sherlock Holmes in one of his uncanny disguises like I say it was weirdly structured I couldn't figure out because it's 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 listed as a comedy drama and we all know what it is but just the fact that it's happening in this bleak landscape at what must have been a fairly terrible time you know, 1936. Well, yeah. Some parts of this country were affected much worse than others by the Great Depression. Um, on the whole, the south and southeast of England remained fairly unscathed. But this is in North Yorkshire, isn't it? Because there's a signpost at the start of it which yes. shows directions to Richmond and Mask. Which, I believe uh, it's set in Darrowby. That that's getting up towards the industrialised northeast, which was savagely hit by the by well, the depression. Yeah. Places that dealt in steel and what have you. He kept making reference to things costing um, ten bob. Yes, and and including his medicine that. that kind of horse explosive stuff. I mean, it just looked like gunpowder to me, but, you know, red <laughs> red gunpowder for exploding under a horse to clear it out. And he was like, that's ten bob a go. Now, that's... ten bob, ten shillings, all right? Okay. Uh, so yep. that's 50p. So right. ten, ten, ten bob was half a quid, basically. The average weekly wage in this country in 1936 was £2.10 shillings. Okay. So, one dose of that horse explosive <laughs> was 20% of the average wage of the time. So, I wanted to know what that equates to now. So, I looked it up. The average wage now is £30,800 a year. This is some mathematics Okay. right now. So I divided that by 52, and that gets you to £592 a week. Right, okay. Um, And uh, 20% of that is £118. Oh, that sounds about right. So, um, you know, I know that vets can be quite expensive, but I thought that was a bit over the top, particularly as these people must be on low incomes. Well, presumably. I mean, they're Yorkshire cow farmers. Yeah, you look at the state of their clothes. I mean, he walked into that pub and there was just a sea of old men in skanky coats and flat caps. And I, and I was looking at it, looking at them and thinking, that, how am I ever supposed to be able to tell all these people apart? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, all old, uh, all old white men look the same to me. Some of the, some of them had the chip on their right shoulder, and some of them had the chip on their left shoulder. Yeah, well, you know, plain speaking. Now look at this, Harriet. Adrivan, the remedy par excellence for red worm in horses. Bit expensive though, ten bob per packet. And look at this, gentian violet pestles. Shop one of these in a cow's uterus after a dirty cleansing. Turns the discharges a very pretty colour. Maybe it looks like it's doing something. Do you know this trick? Few crystals of resublimated iodine. Okay. Mm-hmm. A few drops of turpentine. No, 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 no. It's like witchcraft, isn't it? I use it for wounds in horses' feet. The chemical reaction drives the iodine deep into the tissues. It does? Well, I don't know. That's a theory. Anyway, you must admit it looks wonderful. It presses the toughest client. The the cow explosive that you were talking about was when we met Siegfried Farman, who is the, the senior vet in the town and the person who James Herriot's going to go and work for. Very interesting character, Siegfried Farman. I suspect a manic depressive. But I also suspect that probably wasn't much dealt with in the narrative of the programme. It's Robert Hardy... And it's there's no denying it. Always a pleasure to see Robert Hardy, although he did die about three or four years ago. Yeah, if I saw Robert Hardy today, I would be absolutely outraged. Well, yeah, you'd have to call Ghostbusters. I would. That's who you're going to call. Okay, we, that's absolutely just, no. If dispute. you see Robert Hardy, just think Ray Parker Jr. Put the record on, and the instructions are on the record. Robert Hardy was 53 at the time. Is he? Oh, right. Okay, right. It's interesting, actually, because this is one of the few programmes that we've watched so far, and especially this is, you know, it's a 43-year-old programme. Yeah. Where the people in it don't actually necessarily look far older than they actually are. I mean, Robert Hardy's 53. I think he looks fine for 53. I, I think he would have looked young by the standards of the time. Yeah. For Christopher Timothy was 38. Okay, yeah. Uh, which is a little bit... He's, I think, you know, for a start, James Herriot shouldn't be 38. But he looks reasonably fresh-faced. Yeah, he's got a very young face, hasn't he? Uh, and he, I mean, he could get away. There's a man who can, at 38 in 1978, get away yeah. with playing 10 years younger than he is. That's some chops. Yeah, I think he might be even younger than that, I suppose, if he's just out of vet well, college. How, how old? How, how long does vet college oh, go a on good, for? A good, good long number of years. I think it's like six years or something. You've got to learn how to get your arm up all of the different fundaments. Of every single animal there is. Of every single animal going. Okay. Hamster is very (laughs) tricky. Siegfried Farnan, fascinating character. Mm. And the the cow explosive, as you say, is one of the the running themes of the episode, which is that he... Is he's a sort of he he's a very conscientious and caring man, but he's also I think a bit of a huckster, and because he's a a, a, a staunch realist, and he realizes that if you're going to be charging these crazy fees to people, mm-hmm. they're going to want to see something. So he makes reference to this sort of purple explosion that you can do on a horse's hoof. Yeah, or a pill that you can give a 
cow so that it changes the colour of the discharge. It doesn't necessarily do anything, yeah. but, you know, pe- it makes people it makes them feel, feel like, like something has happened for their 10 bob. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I rather feel as though if that came before uh, a governing <laughs> body, they probably wouldn't look at well, it possibly that not. way. They'd probably they'd probably look at it from the point of view yeah. of, and he's ta- he's charging hundred and eighteen quid. For then that. again, I mean that is fairly consistent with the way that vets charge. I wouldn't know. I mean, like, I you know, I I I've, I had one cat yeah, as yeah. an adult, and she was in she was insured, so it never cost us a brass. Interesting. Boot. When when shit got expensive, you know, it only, which only happened once. Well, I've got to tell you. They still charge like wounded bulls. Actually, our, our veterinary surgeon recently uh, renovated their buildings. A lovely, lovely job they've done on it. And then, of course, you remember they're all multi-trillionaires <laughs> because yeah, of all the yeah. money that concerned pet parents. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, people are ridiculously too sentimental about their animals, and um, yeah, and and and. Just uh, licking off the cream from that. That's an interesting. That's an interesting segue into the next part of the program, I, I suppose, because obviously the sort of people who aren't particularly sentimental about their animals are usually considered to be, you know, livestock farmers. Yeah. And we we meet a couple when Siegfried takes James out on his rounds, which was essentially this is James's test to see whether or not he gets the job, and they encounter a horse. With a manky hoof, yeah, they uh, establish that he's it's got pus on the hoof, and they establish this by hitting the horse's hoof with a hammer. Yeah, uh, and then James digs about in the horse's hoof a bit, and then releases the pus, and yeah. Siegfried sets up hit the bomb and does a little horse explosion, and yeah, all is well now. If you are into that sort of thing, there's all sorts of channels on YouTube. For There's a channel that I, I often get recommended, which is a channel run by a farrier. He's always scraping out the contents of horses' hooves. I don't want to hear any more about that. It's fucking disgusting. Is it, though? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Does, yes, it d- does that well sort is. of thing bother no, you? shut up. Does that sort yeah, of... Yes, yeah. My other half watches these sort of videos. I know all about this but sort you of don't... thing. She doesn't, watch them, she doesn't watch them with me. But you don't... You don't necessarily. You don't want to see it even on your Sunday evening television because no, I absolutely bloody don't. I've probably just eaten. I find it. I find that sort of squeamishness fascinating because I mean I am on record as of being a well, you're devotee. A, you're a fucking, of you are a fucking deviant. Earwax removal. You know, no surgery. All kinds of. Um, stuff you know cleaning videos i don't uh, lizard skin shedding videos i don't want to think about it i just find it all fucking nasty it's probably not not the ideal program for you really then is it no well you know the thing is that i'm just i don't want to see it and it feels incongruous (laughs) to be just shoving it in literally and metaphorically, well, yeah, but... both in an editing sense and uh, a, a, a human man's arm up a cow's arm, which again, it's we'll just get like to that. you know, you could 
you can you can do that from such an angle where I don't have to watch it. <laughs> and it gets the message across. Why do I need to see that? Uh, Why do you need to see it? What does that bring to the party? What is it? Exactly? Do you not find it in some way fascinating? No. As a mammal, as a fellow mammal. I know it happens. I don't completely understand why. I don't want to understand why because I'm not a bloody vet and I don't own a cow. <laughs> well. You know, I don't, why would I need to know that ever? What relevance is that going to have in my life? <laughs> oh, one day I'll just happen to be walking across the field somewhere <laughs> and somebody will come running over and go, excuse me, excuse me, is there a vet in the house? And I'll be like, well, I suppose I'm the nearest we've got because I know the reason why vets shove their hands up cows' asses. I'll tell you who does own a cow. That's the... That's the only circumstances under which that that knowing that could be of any use to me. somebody who does own a cow is Bert Sharp, and that's the, that was the second the second the second stop on James's whistle stop tour of Darrowby was to cure mastitis in Mister Sharp's cow. Yeah, because the cow, as Bert Sharp had already pointed out. Uh, it was only it was running on three cylinders. Yeah, well, I mean, they're very keen, aren't they, throughout the whole program? Yes. That when they're talking about the, or when the farmers are talking about their livestock, they talk about them both as commodities and as animals. It's all very odd, like that, and I don't know whether they were kind of overemphasising it to make a point to the watching audience. It was very noticeable, the extent to which they were doing it. And it was very obvious. In fact, it, it was a bit... I thought it was a bit laboured, the way the bloke with the cow on three cylinders was going <laughs> on about it. Because he was just swapping from one to the other. He was going, oh, well, that cow's... She's she she means the world to me. Blah blah blah. I can't afford to lose her. I can't afford to lose her. And it's like, and and, and then he'd start talking about you know the cost of it all and all the rest of it, and then go back to it and back and forth and back and forth. And that was the only bit actually that that dragged for me the, because it chug, it did chug along at a fair old speed. Oh, they got nice. through a lot of. There's got through a lot of horses and yeah. cows and mainly horses. Yeah, and cows. I mean by the standards of the time. TV was slower in 1978. Yeah. By the standards of the time, even though it was quite gentle and quite twee, it did rattle along at a fair old pace. It did. After James has cured the mastitis in the cow, I didn't really go into great detail about how they did that. So, I mean, if I were walking past a distressed, mastitis-stricken cow, I still wouldn't know how to do anything. Well, he ended up sticking like a needle up its nip-nip. Well, it? I suppose that that's what you would do, isn't Basically. it? But, well, I don't know whether it was exactly a needle, hypodermic. But he did, something. at one point, get kicked into a big pile of farmyard shite, which well, is yeah. another that is another occupational hazard that it, it, they do not shy away from in this series. Here's the thing, right? Okay. Because he's, he's shooing this horse, or whacking this horse on the foot with a hammer. Well, yeah, he whacked the, he whacked the, uh, but the horse was all right. The cow on the other. And then he's getting, and then he's getting right next to the cow, which kicks him. It does. Now, when when we lived um, in uh, this village, 
when I was growing up. There was this couple who had a kid, maybe a couple of kids, and they moved down to Kent Mm. to kind of get away from the rat race and to kind of start their own life and sort of... Mm. I I don't know what he wanted to do. I think he wanted to make musical instruments or something. They built their own house. Okay. Uh, And we went down there. And we went. We were going on holiday to France one year, and uh, it was near enough to the motorway that we stopped off there to see them. And uh, their house was still like kind of like a quarter built at the time. It was just like exposed breeze blocks right the way round. And I, I remember going there, and uh, they had alls, and um, <laughs> and uh, he was shooing it. Okay. Uh, and it kicked him in the head and killed him. What? Yeah. What? While you were there? No, not while we were there. Oh. Like, sometime later. It wasn't much later. I want to say it was something like three months later. Something like that. It might even have been the same well, summer. You've got to be careful with the horse. Name now where we're going. Yes. I saw some horses as I came. Still using them. Yes, but they're going fast. Pity. My favourite animal, the horse. Yes, fine animals. Still, if I was going to plough a field, I reckon I'd take a tractor. Why? Do you like horses? Oh, yes, they're fine. It's just, well, you know, the work. Well, I prefer working with horses to anything else. They're very interesting. If I should take you on, I suppose I could do most of the horse work myself, but obviously there would be time. I like horses very much. I was just thinking of the labour of ploughing. Done much ploughing, have you brought up enough? I, I don't really trust horses. And in fact, I was doing um, I was doing a little additional research into the making of all creatures great and small, and I learned that Christopher Timothy didn't really like horses. I think people pretend to like horses more than they, and they like the concept of horses more than the reality of them. There you go. If you get somebody like face to face with a horse, they're more scared of it than if they just look at a picture. I mean, yeah, they're freakishly massive. Yeah, they've got really they're... weird faces. Yeah, they've got enormous eyes. They're, I mean, yeah. they're much bigger than you think they are. And, you know, they're, um, they're huge. They're, they're, they're just, massive. And, and, and they can kill you with one kick. Yes. As, as, <laughs> and as, you, and, and, as, as, as I found out, and as everybody knows at the end of the day. So they are, you know, they can trample you. They can do all sorts of nasty shit if, they're in, if, they, if they feel like it. And it is on their terms. And we like to think that we've completely tamed them and we can make them do anything we want, any time we want. And I still don't think that's 100% true. No. And that tiny, tiny percentage, whatever it is, point zero, you know, what? to the power of 15, 1%. That, that tiny little doubt, yeah... That's enough for me to say no. They should have, if they'd selectively bred horses down the generation so that a horse was now the size of a cat, I might try and shoe a horse. Oh, just imagine that. A little cat sized horse. A little cat sized horse. <laughs> that, would be that would be really cute. I'd really like well, that. Would it be like, a, could I have one like a Shetland pony? Weird, that size? though. Because that it? would be even more cute. They're weird animals. Yeah, that, it's the size, the sheer size. And they're flighty as well. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. They're liable to 
bolt up there in is, the air they are, jump up on their back legs or do some weird shit. Yeah, they're, they're, they're as flighty as an animal a hundred yeah. their yeah, own yeah. size. Horse does, doesn't seem to realise how imposing it actually is and reacts like it's a fucking mouse. Yeah. What the hell are you so scared of? When are you ever going to see a bigger animal than you? Well... That's a good question. You know, a horse is never going to see a bigger animal than a horse. Unless it goes to the zoo. Unless you take it to the zoo, but I'm not (laughs) going to take a horse to the fucking zoo. (laughs) To take a look at the elephants and go, look at that! Check that out! Look at that! Look at that giraffe! Yeah. But, I mean, a horse and a giraffe are actually pretty similar size, aren't they? It's just the neck. But if you actually think about it, that's really weird. All other animals... Most other animals, almost all other animals, see animals that are bigger than them, of some description. This is very true. Not a horse, not a horse. Unless it's in somewhere where there's elephants or dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, blue whales. I don't know. What, what, what else is bigger than a horse? Blue whale. Blue whales, yeah. I mean, there are. I'm not taking a horse on a boat just to say it can. <laughs> but see. there aren't that many animals that are bigger than horses. Then you know. No, and a thing about a horse that also makes a horse weird, mm. as well as the flightiness compared with its size, is the fact that you have to physically nail metal shoes onto its feet for some. Yeah, reason. why not just put put a pair of slippers on it? What's wrong with a horse that it can't just? walk around on its bare feet every other wild animal in the world is walking around on its fucking bare apart feet apart from us yeah apart from us although I actually to be fair about 85% of the time now I am I've oh got, well yeah I've got, no, I've got no socks on now well no no why would you but I'm, just, I'm sitting here barefoot I, I mean, stinking the room I'm a big out. fan of I'm a big fan of the barefoot approach but and then there's the, there's the whole smegma bean thing which I'm not going to get into but again kind of an animal who designed these animals you can always sell an experience mate he sets himself where the cow can't kick him i still have worked on a farm young man well no not exactly so all our knowledge is out of books is it no at college we used to go out and practice on farms oh aye, learning on some poor farmer's stock under supervision of course yeah. oh, well they'll be working here with mr farn and keeping his eyes on the I'm now qualified. Oh. James gets the job and they go to celebrate in the pub where we meet a, I would, I would say, characteristically friendly crowd of Yorkshire <sighs> pub girls. Yeah. There's a lot of elderly men griping about everything and hazing, let's say hazing, James Herriot, that in that classic Yorkshire way, which is just being really, really horrible to somebody. And if you don't, you know, run away to the hills screaming, then you've obviously succeeded in their eyes. But I just, I, th- I think it's a bit of an unusual opening gambit for any sort of long term relationship with other people. Well, I. Just to belittle and hector them in in a corner. There was not a single person other than him under the age of 60 in that pub. No, it's true. Which I was not convinced by. Yeah, I I get it that, you know, this is the old farmer's place. So is there another pub in this town slash village 
where younger people Yeah, go. all the youths. Yeah. But then again, was it such a big culture then? Yeah, well, well in the 30s, going to the pub. Yeah. I don't know, you see, pubs You've have seen changed. seen Goodnight Sweetheart. I have seen Goodnight... Well, uh, it's difficult to imagine that sort of pub existing in a Yorkshire village. What else? mainly What else, farms. other than the cinema or the radio, was yeah, there to do? In 1936, of an evening, beer was cheap. It was—I mean, I should imagine that was probably about the peak time, 20s, 30s. For maybe there aren't any young people who live in that village. It's all just old boys. Doesn't sound like a very sustainable business model to me. Well, I mean, it is if you're a vet and all of the old boys have got cattle. But no, it's not a very sustainable business model for anyone else. No, no. Apart from, obviously, the bloke who runs the pub. Yeah, yeah. He was serving beer out of a jug. Yeah, and they were having it in kind of, like, pewter tankards. <laughs> they were. I hope that everybody had their own tankard behind the bar. Yeah, yeah. Pubs have changed a lot over, I mean, over my lifetime. Mm. But I think that the the public house of the 30s... I wouldn't say completely unrecognisable, but I think you would probably... If you went back in time somehow, like Gary Sparrow, I think you would be a bit surprised. I don't know. At just how much of a difference in vibe and oh, general well, yeah. expectations of, of conduct and behaviour. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, there, there would be a very strongly conformist kind of attitude about the place. But I don't actually think that I would struggle with it. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily struggle with You've it. You've got to bear I in think... mind that for all my pontsiness, I am ultimately a working class Londoner. That is true. And, uh, and those are my people. I have photos of my granddad taken in the kind of 60s and 70s. And he looks like them. Well, I should hope so. He was from London, and he was a builder. But Are there any pictures of you having gone back in time like Gary Sparrow? That you would love to do that, wouldn't I would you? Love, Admit I it. Would, well, of course I would. Who wouldn't? I'll say this much, though. I wouldn't go straight into the pub, pull the waitress, and get her pregnant. Well. Like, you know, in one afternoon. One, yeah, that's a lot of work for one afternoon. Yeah. How was morning surgery? Not very busy, really. How many? Only one. I don't think we're going to make our fortunes out of that one. There's a great future in dogs and cats, you mark my words. This was a tortoise. Oh, a Sally Garp. Uh, Did she say anything? Not a word. Oh, Sally Garp, she never does. <laughs> we'll get back on track by talking about James's first day in the job has a, a consultation with a little girl and her tortoise. Yeah, I, I, I have a theory on that. Okay. My theory is that they had to improvise that scene after she just flat refused to say anything. It's a little girl walks silently into his office uh, or into his surgery and she's got a paper bag and there's a tortoise in it. Yeah. And he says, what's the matter with it? And he asks her a couple of questions and she stays absolutely silent. And he says, right, okay, well, you do this and that and I'll blah, blah, blah. And she turns around and silently walks back out again. Yeah. 
I would I... hope that while while he was asking her the questions, trying to provoke any kind of response at all, he was sort of doing a rudimentary check on the tortoise, and the tortoise wasn't just going to drop dead. Uh, well, he kind of did, didn't he? He did. I think, uh, he, yeah, I he, think he, so. But it's a fucking stuck his tortoise. arm up its ass. Yeah, it's a fucking tortoise. What can you do? You know, how, how do you know if a tortoise is all right? <laughs> Compared to, nor- compared to normal. Well, he's not moving very quickly today. I would say the first sign of a tortoise not not being right. How do you take a tortoise's pulse? Well, I'd probably just put your fingers on its neck. I don't know. <laughs> first, I mean, that's the first sign. That's the first sign with it that a tortoise isn't very well, is it hasn't stuck its head or its arms out of its oh, shell. Oh, so, so what you do is you just grease your hand up and stick it right in. Yeah, yeah. Pull stick that it head right out. Stick, stick, you know, put pencils in all the holes and see if there's I anything in there. I saw a kind of cutaway of a tortoise. Oh, yes, I've day. seen that. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't what I was expecting for some reason. I don't know what I was expecting. Well, I, I mean, know what, actually, I admit it. I know what I was expecting. I was expecting a living room. <laughs> Rather than yeah. it, it, the, the shell basically being a load-bearing member of the tortoise. Yeah, no, I was expecting I was expecting there to be a, like, a little With fireplace. With a little chair and a fireplace. fireplace. TV set. <laughs> Mrs. Tortoise. Bringing him a drink. This is it's basically this... the Flintstones, except with tortoises. Yeah. That's, 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 that's basically it. This is the disappointment of, uh, of, of as soon as they introduced MRI scanners, all of the mystery went out of everything, didn't they? Yeah. It's like, oh, we can yeah. get a tortoise in there. Let's yeah. find out what's going on in that bad boy. Yeah, I claim copyright on that idea, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think I'm, there's I'm, a sitcom in that. Yeah, well, I tell you what, you can have you can have that one. <laughs> Twenty years later, when you're a millionaire from, from that's my tortoise, I'm going to be. <laughs> Still doing this podcast. Still doing this podcast, lording it over me in a crown. <laughs> For my gold chair. My fucking Game of Thrones chair. I've never even watched Game of Thrones, but I still want a Game of Thrones chair. Because oh, that, of course yeah. I do. They're very impressive. Next up, it's uh, around the Dales. And yes, 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 yes. Sticking your arm up a cow's ass for some reason. Yeah, well, like, you know... This was the fundamental reason that anyone watched All Creatures Great and Small. When you say anyone, you mean you. Not No, not just me, everyone. Because it was... One, it was the only show on TV where you would see it. And two, you would see it every week. I know that you were sceptical and you thought it was was like a a, a trope, an easy stereotype that, oh, you stick your hand up a cow's ass. And you would be right. I said I didn't know whether it was or not. And you would be right to suggest that all a programme really needs to do is have it happen once. And it's probably already up there in the arm up a cow's ass steaks who was it who wanked off a pig oh that was um was it what was her name rebecca Luz. oh yeah yeah yeah. in that program the farm yeah that's that's all does a vet have to do that i'm not possibly but if you're a vet right in if you're yeah names names will be changed to protect the innocent unless your name happens to be ormond gabner yeah (laughs) The very, very existent 
Orman Gavler. You didn't you didn't need to do it much, but they really were committed to doing it a lot. And they did it in this episode, and you got a nice lingering shot of an arm coming out of a horse's ass. Not a horse, a cow's ass. A cow's ass. Uh, and it had a certain amount of cow shit on the arm. It did, yes. Uh, as as one might expect. Well, sticking yeah. Sticking your whole arm up a cow's ass. All things considered. But in the second episode, there's also... Well, hang on a minute. There's also... Yeah, well, we'll get to this because of the cliffhanger ending in mm. which James diagnoses a torsion of the bowel of the local Lord of the Manor's favourite hunting horse and goes and shoots it over the protestations of his gamekeeper. Well, he does do that very quickly. He does do it very quickly. And obviously it's a big decision on your first day at work to go and shoot the Lord of the Manor's horse. Yeah, that's the thing. Especially as, wasn't he supposed to call the other bloke and get him to yeah, go yeah. with him? Yeah, he did say that he was meant to do that because Siegfried's a big horse fella. Whereas yeah. James and is what, a horse so why fella. Didn't he? Is that does that come out in the second episode? Because I assume you've I, seen it. I well episode. I had to watch it to find out what happened in the horse post mortem. And yeah. so you'll what be did pleased happen? to hear that James was entirely correct. Yeah, well of course he was, because the fucking programme ended up going on for about twenty five years or something. I mean it would have been a bit it would have been a bit weird if the second episode was like, No, actually that horse would have been fine. You're struck off. (laughs) (laughs) No creatures great or small. I don't know if you're aware of this, but very this is a very famous all creatures great and small fact, is that they were real cows. Yeah. Well, it looked like one. It'd be a very limited use to create a realistic enough-looking cow's ass prop. Oh. So they just used a real cow. I don't know if it was the same cow every time <laughs> for for ninety episodes. <laughs> yeah. But I'm told in every every interview I've ever seen with Christopher Timothy or Peter Davison or Robert Hardy or whoever else ended up with their arm becowed. <laughs> Wrapped yes. lovingly in a layer of cow, as if it were an egg in a Scotch egg. That is actually quite pleasant. <laughs> Shut your No, that's what they said. That is face. what they say. It's actually well, they quite can shut. Pleasant. They can shut theirs as well. But um, as you say, it, it didn't hold back. It rattled through a lot of stuff. Mm. I quite enjoyed it. If I'm honest, I thought it was quite gentle. Didn't take itself too seriously. Good cow ass shots. It it was better than I was expecting it to be. But this sort of thing does not work for so me. So you're not gonna be watching another episode. I am not, no. Um Creamy Centres. Creamy Centres. Uh I've had I've had a bumper week in in YouTube surfing. I have to say. Well, one of them was a recommendation of mine. Yeah, absolutely sure was be coming up. Yeah. yeah, I watched an episode of Vision On. Oh. About weight from nineteen seventy six. I just happened to come across. So. Uh, so, what was going on there? That sounds very exciting. It's just a bunch of your normal Vision On sketches about things. How much things weigh. You know, Sylvester McCoy period it is. Well, February 1976. 
but it was a oh, and of course Tony Hart. Of course Tony Hart. But I always found Vision On to be kind of creepy when I was little. Yeah. Because of course it was made for deaf children. So okay. there was yeah. some signing and it was almost entirely mime. Yeah. And it, they would also use kind of like different effects and have these kind of slightly weird cartoons and things. And you just, like I say, it would just be kind of weird in its own way. It was just kind of slightly off kilter to me. I don't, you don't get programs that are made like that anymore. Yeah. Definitely a, an ideal choice then for you to watch 45 years later. So go on then. Well, Shoot I've had, a, I've had a, a, a very uh, fertile week of YouTube. Um, I watched an episode of Indoor League okay. from the 25th of October 1973, which featured women's darts. It was the first ever televised women's darts competition in British history. Okay, interesting, interesting. I watched an episode of Revolver from the 22nd of July, 1978. Yeah. Which was the day my parents got married, incidentally. And the day after the transmission of the final episode of Black and White Minstrel Show. Yes. Uh, And Revolver was ATV's answer to the Granada programme, So It Goes. Yeah. The, the new wave music show. This uh, the ATV gimmick was. It's presented by Peter Cook. Yeah, he owns a nightclub, doesn't he? You're going in very deep on all this. I'm going to start doing that as well. But the the real money shot of the week was your recommendation. Well, yeah. We Weekend World from 1978. Brian Waldron and Hugh Pyle yeah. were reporting on the. Ongoing attempts to catch the killer known as the Yorkshire Ripper. Yeah. Now, I've seen plenty of Yorkshire Ripper stuff, but this is the first contemporaneous thing that I've seen. I knew it. That was made from within the killing spree before they knew the answer. Yeah, I, I knew this would ruffle your puffles. Well, it was very interesting. It was 40 minutes long. And in fact... I kept half expecting Peter Sutcliffe to, to just turn up, you know, being well, just make and, make an appearance. And, yeah, make an appearance. Just you know, to pop up at a roadblock or be interviewed by the Yorkshire Police, who then dismiss him from their inquiries. Yeah, this is prior to the tape, the Wearside Jack tape mm-hmm. arriving, which wasn't until 1979. So it, they hadn't gone that far down the route of complete madness. Yeah. But George Oldfield was still there talking absolute shit. Had they found the fiver? Oh yeah, they'd already done right. that. So yeah, yeah. That that was that that was the point for me. That was the point. Anyhow. Anyhow, anyhow. Yes. Next week Next week is your choice. It is. Which is bad news for me. It is. Well, I wanted to go another genre that we hadn't done. That's yeah, very wise. We very hadn't wise. done horror. No. I did horror. Yeah. Uh, we hadn't done disco dancing. <laughs> it's a genre. So I thought, well, what else haven't we done? And I thought, oh, we God. haven't done a soap yet. True. This is only kind of a soap because it didn't run. 
No. 52 weeks a year. No. But it is, it's, it's a, it's triangle. Ugh. The BBC's attempt to inject a little bit of glamour into their schedule. Ugh. Fuck uh, With a, no, shut up. With a, uh, the glamorous story of the cross North Sea Ferry. <laughs> That travels between the three points of, I think it's Gothenburg, Rotterdam, and maybe Harwich. I'm not sure, uh, but we'll go, we'll come back to that next week. It's, I think it's one of the stupidest ideas for a television program I've ever heard. Oh, here we go: Felixstowe, Gothenburg, and Amsterdam. But that's the subject for next week. It's the first ever episode of it. There'll be a link. Yes, yes. On the blog post or somewhere. Can we get ourselves some Kate O'Mara action? And uh, Larry Lamb. Oh, Larry, is he in it as well? Jesus. Yeah, co- co-starring. Larry co-starring Lamb. Co-starring Larry Lamb. This is an interesting case study of a famous disaster. Yes, because from the moment the first episode broadcast, this show was hammered in the press. Absolutely slaughtered. Uh, but we'll come back to that next week. Always leave them wanting more. Always leave them wanting another dose of up to the shoulder. Kate O'Mara action. We're going to go in deep. I mean, I'm just sorry that I'm not as interested in anally violating cattle <laughs> as you are. I feel as though I feel as though I'm missing I think, out. Yeah, now. I think you are a bit. I think that'll do us for now. <laughs> I think I've heard yep. enough. Certainly seen enough. Seen a lot. We'll be back at the same time next week. Thanks very much for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>